So I watched a series of books get published during that time that people would read and really get activated. And I saw everyone from from policymakers to A-list celebrities to teenage kids to soccer moms, like everybody reading the, the same the same books and realizing that there was a role that they could play in the global anti-trafficking movement. And I became incredibly passionate about publishing and books as really a driver for social change and greater impact. Mm. Um, and so that's where, yeah, a lot of my love for publishing originated and, and my desire to write my own book, realizing that books can transform lives quite literally. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with a nonprofit director, an entrepreneur, a CEO, a community leader, a church leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Allison Trowbridge. She is the founder and CEO of Copper, a disruptive social platform that connects book enthusiasts and readers directly with authors. As the publishing landscape continues to lean into book clubs and social media as the cornerstone of a book launch marketing campaign, Copper streamlines the process, offering a unique subscription-based model for authors and a community of like-minded individuals who want to engage with the authors they love and other voracious readers. Copper offers everything from a customized bookshelf, discussion guides, audio hosting, and so much more. It takes their reading experience to a whole new level. Allison is also the host of an impact podcast called Real Good Company with Caitlin Crosby, the founder and CEO of The Giving Keys, where the two discuss and interview luminaries doing great things. Allison's also an accomplished author in her own right. She published her book, 22 Letters to a Young Woman Searching for Meaning back in 2017 with HarperCollins while completing her MBA at Oxford's Business School. So prior to her work in the publishing industry, Allison worked with the global anti-slavery movement, leading marketing, fundraising, and international campaigns. Needless to say, between her passion for sustainable and ethical businesses, her passion for the anti-slavery and anti-human trafficking movement, and being a bibliophile, Needless to say, Allison and I had a lot in common, and this was such a fun conversation. I did some fun, unique get-to-know-you questions at the end that are book-specific. So if you are a voracious reader like me, if you are a bibliophile like me, or if you're just interested in new startups, you are going to absolutely love this conversation. But before I get to my chat with Allison, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. Mama Suds helps label-reading moms create a safe and non-toxic home for their family by creating synthetic free household cleaners. And one of those cleaners is Mama Suds Fine Linen Soap, which is the best thing since sliced bread. Wash your high quality sheets, linens, delicates, organic fabrics with a fine linen soap to keep them looking newer and softer longer. You can use three to four capfuls for a high efficiency machine on a delicate cycle or four to six capfuls for regular machines on a delicate cycle. You can head on over to mamasuds.com and use the code MOLLY, that's M-O-L-L-Y, for 15% off your order. Now onto my chat with Allison Trowbridge. Allison, I am so excited. Do I call you Allison or do I call you Allie? Oh, either one or okay. hey you, whatever you feel like. Hey you, hey you, friend. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Allie. I'm going to go with Allie. I like it. Um, Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. Yes, I um, am really excited to have you on here because my listeners know this. Uh, anybody who follows me on Instagram knows this. My friends and family know this. I'm a book person. Hence, uh, for the people who see the videos of me at my desk, I have many books behind me. And there's even like, they it keeps going. And there's like- That makes me so happy. And, and the color coding and all of it. It's got to be rainbow. Okay. But it's funny it because be people rainbow. ask me like, well, what's your method to your book shelf organization? And I say, so like I have on one side of me, I have my book of the month books because I subscribe to the oh, to book of the month. Nice. Um, nice. That was actually, so I was introduced to book of the month like a long time ago and I'd done it for a couple months and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then I resubscribed during the pandemic because it was like my, my treat yourself. <laughs> I was like, exactly. I'm a subscribe. So, and I keep doing it because I love it so much, but I organized my book of the month books by co- color. And because I like that they're all uniform, they all have like yeah. the same binding and they're the same size and all that. And then all my other books I organized by color. So love it. Do I, I love have, it. Do I have issues? I mean, like I do. Absolutely. No, absolutely (laughs) not. Absolutely. When I'm in my normal office space, I have the exact same background. So I feel right at home. This makes me really happy. Um, So in any event, I'm really excited to talk to a fellow book lover. Um, So to introduce yourself, give us the Alley 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. All right. Well, my name is Allison Trowbridge, or Allie. And I am the founder and CEO of a company called Copper, which is a platform that's launching soon that helps connect authors and readers around books. And I got here through a very wild, winding journey of, I actually come from the nonprofit world. So my background is in anti-trafficking and impact investing and ethical companies. Yeah, yeah. Look at Um, us. I know, I know. And then I I actually published my own book while I was in graduate school. So I was doing my my MBA while I was releasing a, a book called 22 and going through the process was realizing that there was so much more support and help that authors needed to reach their readers. And so what I'm building now is the company that I wished had existed when I was launching my own book. This is so cool. For lots of reasons. Um, number one, can we let's we're going to get to copper and we're, um, and by the way, by the time this airs, I think copper has launched. What did what's the launch date? Uh, so we're in something called test flight right now, which okay. is testing for the app. So I without knowing the date, it'll be it'll be around that time. But my developers won't let me give a firm date depending <laughs> on when it goes into the app store and gets approved. So I get it. I we'll, get it. We'll say, yeah, we'll tell people to go to the website. Yeah. Or and, so, yeah. Okay. So I want to get to that, obviously. But I want to go a little bit back because I think this is really interesting, especially that you kind of come from the the ethical brand world. Uh, talk about that. Like, how did you get into that? And uh, what initially interested you in that? Just because it's such a, it's a unique piece that it's, especially when you were in it, it was much newer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I actually started as a volunteer for an anti-trafficking organization while I was in college and graduated early, was hired on as the first employee. So this was back in 2007, 2008. Which, uh, uh, which had, organization? It's called Not For Sale. Yeah. Uh, and Very familiar. Yeah. Oh, no way. So, so yeah, I was fortunate to get to help build that nonprofit and um, do work all over the world. 
And one of the things we realized a few years in is that so many people were focused on elements of trafficking mm-hmm. um, that were just around intervention or or the the kind of rescue rehabilitation side, but no one was realizing the economic undercurrent of it. And for one, 80% of trafficking was in labor trafficking. So we spent a lot of time and energy on looking at supply chains, how products were made, how we can push forward more ethical manufacturing processes. But then on the other side, how do we do job creation and create better opportunities for employment for people who are vulnerable. And so that's what then out of that, we started uh, an impact investment fund that I became a partner in where we would create ethical brands. One of those being the Rebel. If you've ever had Rebel, it's a a drink that was, if you look at the back, it says not for sale on the back. And that came out of how do we do job creation in in the Peruvian Amazon and give back to the the anti-trafficking work that Not For Sale is doing. So a lot of really neat innovation on that side of things. That is so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I got started in the anti-trafficking world back in 2010, 2011. Um, and uh, I was a, a baby Christian and uh, had attended a an event at my church um, because our a friend of mine was starting a nonprofit and uh, it was a local nonprofit focused on anti-trafficking efforts. And mm-hmm. I was one of those people who really thought that uh, trafficking looked like the movie Taken. And I just, yeah. you know, I had so many misconceptions about it. And we watched this documentary that was like an artistic kind of documentary that kind of focused on anti-trafficking and, and what it really looks like and or what mm-hmm. and what human trafficking really looks like and and kind of went into both the sex trafficking piece but also labor trafficking mm-hmm. and I mean my mind was completely blown and from that day forward I was like okay I'm, I'm in it but it's funny wow. because a lot of people have asked me in the last I don't know probably five six years you know well why ethical fashion why do you care about ethical fashion and why do you care about uh, supporting fair trade companies and things like this. And I go, honestly, it my passion for uh, supporting these companies and talking to uh, to these companies and, and interviewing these entrepreneurs and people like that is because through my anti-trafficking work, I yeah. learned that really the solution was through yeah. business. And um, and I, I go back to the, I think it's a Nelson Mandela quote, forgive me to the, the listeners if you're like, Molly, you totally botched this. But it's this quote that's something to the effect of like, why are we standing at the end of the stream or the river pulling people out when we should be standing at the top of the stream, preventing them from falling in? And so that that became my personal mantra and my heartbeat was to mm. stand at the top of the stream and keep people from falling in. And one of that yeah. is through job creation. Um, and I interviewed a guy a couple weeks ago who said something that like completely transformed the way I think even in in all the years I've been doing this, is he said, we need to even be focusing on career creation, not job creation. And Mm, I was like, that is like, I was like, man, that like blew up so many things in my head. Um, Anyway, so I, yeah. So I I just, I'm really interested to know that that's something that's a big part of your story. Uh, Just because I, I mean, what a coincidence. (laughs) I know. I love it. And we used to reference that quote all the time. That's really where the impact investing came from is how do we go upstream of these issues? Otherwise, 
all these nonprofits, we're going to be keeping ourselves in business if we don't get to the root of the problem. And exactly, I, I would I would say too, the fun backstory of building this company, Copper, actually came from my work in the anti-trafficking movement. So I saw that entire social movement actually get built on the back of books. Yeah, um, and and a number of documentaries that actually came out as a re- response to the books. When I started, so few people knew what slavery was. So mm-hmm. few people believed that it existed, realized that it was an issue. I, I have people who would tell me, oh, honey, we took care of that in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Slavery is not an issue anymore. Yeah. And, it, you know, and here you had the, the fastest growing criminal inter- enterprise on the globe. And, and so I watched a series of books get published during that time that people would read and really get activated. And I saw everyone from from policymakers to A-list celebrities to teenage kids to soccer moms, like everybody reading the, the same the same books and realizing that there was a role that they could play in the global anti-trafficking movement. And I became incredibly passionate about publishing and books as really a driver for social change and greater impact. Mm. Um, and so that's where, yeah, a lot of my love for publishing originated and, and my desire to write my own book, realizing that books can, can transform lives quite literally. Wow. Okay. So you, obviously we now know that the foundation of where you, you, you kind of got this passion. Um, and then as you, you kind of briefly mentioned, you were completing your MBA at, you know, Oxford, like no, <laughs> no big deal. Um, like just, <clears throat> just don't mind me. Just love the hills. My, my my year of pretending I was in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had a friend, uh, one of my sorority sisters in college got this, um, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was, it, it was basically like a, uh, scholarship to, uh, study at Oxford for like a whole semester. And it was like, you could then also list on your resume that you studied at Oxford. I can't remember what it was. Um, but I remember like when she came back, we were all like, Oh, like, (laughs) did you, were you on platform nine and three quarters? Um, absolutely. Anyway. Um, okay. So, so talk about how you started, you know, how you published your first book because you, I mean, you published it in a with traditional publishing through, um, it was through Harper Collins. It was called 22 letters to a young woman searching for meaning. Talk about that process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so that book was actually when I was 22 and graduating from college, I pulled an all night with one of my best friends and just said, you know, I feel like there's no guidance or mentorship for this season of life. I feel like everything has been planned and charted for us. And now suddenly we're just kind of going off a cliff and, and what does it mean to make an impact? Well, how do, how do we build meaningful lives? How do we do career and friendship and relationships? And I was wishing for that mentorship. And so back at the time I said, okay, whatever I do career wise, I'm going to write that book someday because I know it needs to exist and I need it. I think that's one of the themes of my life is just when I feel like I really, really need something and it doesn't exist. I'm like, how do I, how do I help create it for those who are coming up behind me? Yeah. But yeah, so so it always stayed with me through my 20s of this desire to to write that book. And it wasn't until my my late 20s I really got I quite quite literally woke up with a crystallized idea of 
it just felt it was one of the craziest kind of spiritual experiences of my life of feeling like I just got this download of what the book needed to be. It's a really, I think writing a book is a very mystical kind of process and you write the book that needs to be written and, and needs to exist. And And so I then started kind of moving forward the process of quitting my job and finding an agent and, you know, just, it's a, a, quite an overwhelming journey, but I, yeah, I just absolutely knew that, that it needed to happen. And I had had helped write a book with a pastor of mine several years before that. And so going through that process, I was, it was, it's kind of like running a marathon where I'm like, okay, I know that I can physically do this. And now it's just sitting down and, and writing the outline and starting to put pen to paper. Yeah, and begin the the process of going forward. There's an amazing statistic that says 81% of Americans believe they have a book in them and they want to write it someday. And so a big part of my heart and passion is I just think there are so many stories that go unwritten that that need to be written. You know, my book was not a New York Times bestseller and it doesn't need to be. It's It was exactly for, you know, a set of young women during a season of life. And it's been incredible to see the life change on a small scale for those who who read it, who really need that message. That's really encouraging to me personally, um, as of when we were recording this. So I just submitted my book proposal. Uh, <gasps> no last way. Week. Yeah. No so, way. Um, so Congratulations. N- thank you. Thank you. Um, and it's so funny because I, uh, so not to eight, uh, to publishers, but to, to finding an agent. So um, I'm kind of still, still in that process of, I have the proposal, that part's done. And then you got to get the agent and then you got to p- submit it to publishers and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah. as, as you know, and for listeners, like it is a very daunting process. And, um, you know, I am a chronic overthinker. And so I, it took me, I mean, I didn't work on it straight for four years, but I started my proposal back in the summer of 2017. And then uh, took all of 2018 off for some personal reasons, picked it back up in the fall of 2019 then took some time off from, I mean, it's just like, and then finally at the beginning of the summer, um, I, a book came out about, uh, by somebody I, I really admire, you know, about basically about like book proposals. And I was like, okay, this yeah. is my sign. I need to just sit down and do it. And so I did it and I committed to it, but it's so funny because my, um, I kept, not that I, you know, kept this as a secret from my husband. That wasn't it at all. He knew <laughs> I was working on it, but I wouldn't let it. I mean, over four years, I never let him looked at it. And I just like, I don't know what it was. It was like, I was terrified to let anybody else see it. And so when I first finished it and had my like, I mean, basically like final draft, but knew I needed other people to look at it to like, you know, edit it and all that kind of stuff. I sent it to him and I was like, okay, don't judge me. And, um, he was like, why would I judge you? I'm your husband. (laughs) Like I did. I know everything about you. And I was like, I don't know. Right. There's right. just something about like when you create that document that suddenly you're you feel naked. Um, yes, and completely. But just then, wait till it's going to print. <laughs> oh my so gosh, vulnerable! It's and, so vulnerable. And so I was like, okay, okay, okay. And uh, he uh, he was like, oh, okay, I see why that took you a really long time. <laughs> he was like, it's a really long document. I was like, yeah, I know. Um, so, but it was, it's been so encouraging, like since getting it done and like having a couple of people look at it to, you know, fine tune it and get it out. And I've started to get feedback on it from people who like know what they're doing. And they've been like, this is a really good proposal. And I'm like, okay, okay. I think I can do this, but it's very, yeah, to, to your point, like it is so involved, it's nerve wracking and you just, 
I remember like as soon as I hit send on all those emails, I walked outside and I was like, I think I think I'm going to throw up. Like, I think I'm going to vomit. And I I was like, I think that this is actually probably terrible. And I'm I'm actually probably a really bad writer and I shouldn't do this book. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm serious. I had that same spiral (laughs) when the book was was about to go to print where I was waking up in the middle of the night. I texted my best friend at one point and I'm like, the book is terrible. You're not telling me. Nobody's telling me how awful it is. Like yeah. I'm, I'm certain it's, you know, it's, it's amazing that all of the kind of demons of self-doubt that come out when you're doing something. Yeah. I mean, it truly is an act of, of courage. It's an act of bravery to yeah. put your soul on paper like that. And yeah. so well and done for going for it. Open yourself up to uh reviewers. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, it's, you know, it sounds like similar, you know, for you in the last four years, you have not been able to shake this book. It's Mm -hmm. something that is so alive inside of you that you need to carry it forward. And it's going to feel, you know, like it's just burning beneath the surface until, (laughs) until you kind of give it life. And so I think it's much more of a, that creation process is really a stewardship. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great, uh, word stewardship um and just being a steward of the of that story and and that and the commitment to it and i always tell people like especially when i interview authors on here or when i you know talk to friends who have published books and like when their book you know goes live and is out into the world i always sing them happy birthday to their book um i because, love it because i'm like it is a big deal you're birthing a book baby yeah. and um it's you a really totally big deal are. So uh, talk about copper. What is copper? How does it work? And why did you feel like it was something that really that the, that authors and readers alike needed? Yeah. So when I did go to publish my book, so I was I was in business school during that time and just realized I, I love the publishing industry. I think it's incredible, but it's also there's not a ton of like technology innovation that's happening in that industry. And I was just frustrated by not knowing how to really reach readers, how to build a base of readers, how to build a quote unquote platform. And it feels so funny to me that you need to dance in Instagram reels in order to to sell a book. It just doesn't, it, it didn't resonate to me. And I realized that every other author I knew, whether they were a first timer or a mega bestseller, they had a lot of the same frustrations of of just not knowing how to effectively connect with their readers. And what I realized is that if you look at all of the social platforms that exist today, they all are focused around creators and the creator economy and helping them reach an audience. And then you build a social platform around it. So Instagram was originally for photographers and TikTok was for dancers and Twitch was for gamers and Etsy was for crafters. And no one has ever centered the author and the experience of authors and built a platform to help authors reach their readers. And in in a similar form, helping readers connect and build community around books and make reading and books a social experience where reading is is one of the best things you can do for your mental and emotional well-being. After exercising, it's the number one thing people say they wish they did more of. But we still do it as an isolated process. We, we still read a book by ourselves, typically. And so I wanted to just connect the dots to make it a more social experience for, for readers so they can find each other and they can also find and connect with the author. So with that, it's a 
we're launching an iOS app. So it'll be just like Instagram, it'll be an app platform where you can, as a reader, you can can actually connect with the author while you're reading their book. You can join uh, discussions about the book as well as live events. So you can host live events with, with friends. You can join live events with the author themselves. And then you can uh, not only track what you're reading and create these fun, customizable bookshelves, but you can also just save and share those bookshelves and lists to share recommendations with friends. So again, making it a, a, a social experience. I love that you you saw the need, one, for authors to be kind of centered in, in an opportunity for them to connect with people because, you know, an author can write a book, but if nobody reads it, then... Totally. Well, well, that's a problem. And so, but to <laughs> totally to connect people, I mean, I, I know that like sometimes if I'm, cause I'll sometimes review books that I've read on um, like Instagram stories and I'll tag the author and 99% of the time I never hear anything, but then sometimes like an yeah. author will reply to my story and I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> I get totally. all excited. I get all excited. And um, like, I think, uh, you know, somebody like Colleen Hoover, I feel like is so good at connecting with her readers on Instagram. Um, mm. You know, and, and somebody who's just she's published a gajillion books and but I've seen her like reply to people and, you know, reshare people's stories. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And so I think yeah. something like this is so innovative, because it does get people excited when they're like, oh, I can talk to the author and be like, hey, what did you mean when you wrote this? And, totally. um, you know, yeah, and meet other readers and connect with other readers and and build community around the book. Because yeah. really reading a book, it's like you've just spent eight hours with this author. Yeah. And you now have this shared experience where if you and I both have read the same book, that's incredible point of connection and commonality. And so how do we get connected talking about the book and our love for it and what moved us? Yeah. I mean, and I tend to go through phases where I will like binge authors. So I went through a phase last year where I binged like all of Kristen Hannah's books. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, yes, I oh. had that on my bedside table to read next. I love her so much. Um, oh, I love it. But I just I mean, I started with I think my gateway to her was uh, The Great Alone. And then I was like, okay, well, this book was amazing. And now like, where are her other books? And so I started reading and uh, her other books. And right now I'm on a Colleen Hoover binge. Hence like why that's I love like, it. Uh, I love it. top of mind. And, uh, you know, so like, cause it was like, I finished one of her books and I was like, okay, well, I need another one. And then I need another one. I need another one. And um, so, yeah, so I, but I, I love that. And, and it's, it's right. You, you spend however long it takes to read, you know, a book and you finish that book. And sometimes I call my, my friend, Abby coined it like a book hangover where you just like, yeah, you totally. and you're like, I'm mourning, like the fact that I'm no longer going to be spending time with this character. And then you just yeah. like feel weird. Cause you're like, why am I so, why do I have a book hangover over this character that doesn't actually exist? <laughs> Yeah. And like, I miss them. Yes. Totally. Yes. Totally. I'm so glad that you said that. Cause I've totally said that to my husband before where I'll be like, man, I finished this book yesterday and I really miss the characters. And he's like, you're so weird. 
Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're in their head. And it's different too than like watching a show. Cause I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love certain shows and I love, you know, I get attached to the characters and there's definitely been maybe a couple shows in history where I've been like, Oh, I really miss that show. I miss those characters, but it is just a different connection when you are reading a book and you, and a lot of times, especially if it's like a first person narrative, you know, you really get into the head of that character and you've, you've, yeah. Get to know them on this like really intimate level, even though again they're not Absolutely. real. Person. I was gonna say it's a it's intimacy and it's it's the imagination. It's because everything isn't right in front of you, you actually become a participant in the story yeah. because your imagination is is sparked the whole time. Right, right. Okay. So copper is launching soon. What do you hope? Like, what do you hope to see with copper in the first year, five years? What do you what do you hope to achieve? with this platform? Yeah, a couple of things. So so I like to say that, in, so I'll start with five years. I really want to build the LinkedIn of the book world. Mm. So anyone who is launching a book, who is a, an aspiring author, who wants to write a book and doesn't know where to begin, who, you know, it's a really difficult industry to break into. And I want to create so much greater just equity across the industry and help underserved and underrepresented voices get discovered and get amplified and find their audience and, and then help audiences find each other. And a real big driver for me too, is just around community and belonging and connection. I think even before, before the pandemic, loneliness was named the new public health crisis in the U S and, and so a big driver for me has been, how can we use books as kind of this um, I have a friend who calls it digital campfires. You know, how do we create this campfire for people to gather around where they can find that community and connection and belonging, both going deeper with friends and finding new people to connect with where there's commonality and experience and just the learning behind that, you know, democratizing just these great conversations. I, I realized uh, doing my MBA at Oxford, I realized Oxford is just a very expensive book club where we would all <laughs> read content yeah. and then we would talk about it. And that's something that all of us can do all the time. And so we just need to kind of connect the social fabric around books in order to to ignite those experiences. So yeah. that's really my driver for it. And to yeah, just be the go-to place for anyone who loves books or is loves creating books for for their readers. I think it's amazing. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, I can't wait to join it. And uh, yeah, I, there's so and many And we'll things. get your book on there. I You're know. You're going to be an author on Copper. I love yes. it. I love it. Yes. By the um, way, you can only you can only get verified on Copper if you're an author. So you will get a verified account. Okay. When your book comes when your book comes out, you will get verified. Okay. Well, I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to join it. I can't wait to be a verified author on there. I um, know. I'm, I know. As soon as your book gets published, I'm you're going to get that little blue check mark. Speaking it into existence. <laughs> speaking it into existence. Come on, universe. Um, come on, Lord. Make it make it happen. Do a work. Um, I love it. I so love it. if people, uh, you know, as you said at the beginning, we don't have an official launch date yet. But uh, if you are interested in, you know, downloading it, participating in even the test flight or something like that, 
Yeah, come be can... one of our first users. Yes. You can it, you can grab a grab that username that you've always wanted, which is really fun too. So copperbooks.com, depending on when this podcast airs, we might be in the app store or we may still be in test flight, which is when you're testing an app. So you can go to our website and put your email in and and we'll send you a link to get you onboarded and you can be one of the very very first users onto the platform. It's going to be yeah, be one of the first members in our copper community. So I'm so excited. It's really, really, we really do like to say that we're building, building a community. You know, we, we want it to be a place where people, yeah, find each other, find belonging. I love it. I'm so excited about it. Okay. So this is the portion of the show where I typically ask some get to know you questions. And I thought it would be fun to switch it up a little bit and do some book related ones. So let's do it. Allie, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. Okay. So question number one is what is your favorite genre? My favorite genre, this is a little nerdy, but I actually love business books. No, I don't think I'm that's nerdy. Such, really, I'm just, I love, I, I am insatiably curious and I love learning and I love, I love just the growth that happens from books. I feel like you're, you're getting these world-class minds and their greatest ideas condensed. And yeah, I just, I so enjoy it. Well, I mean, the fact that you got your MBA at Oxford probably says that you're probably interested in that and you probably had to read some really dry stuff. So <laughs> yes, I don't I don't read the dry ones, but I'll, I'll say in addition to that, I also my new genre that I've recently discovered that I love. I didn't even know this was a genre. Cozy mysteries. Have you ever heard of this? No. Cozy mysteries. I literally just learned this was a a, a genre. So uh, another um, author friend, Shauna Nyquist, highly recommend all of her books. She's she's a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. She turned me on to this author called Louise Penny, who is like a modern day Agatha Christie. And these books, you cannot put them down. I think there's 17 in the series, which is amazing because you just want to, I mean, literally it's a a curl up by the fire all day. Like just, it's just like a hug. Inspector Gamache is is the series and phenomenally good, but not like lose yourself completely in them. So, okay. So Louise Penny. Yes. Okay. So good. I'm so good. writing this down because I don't even know what cozy mystery is, but I want it. Give it. Give me, <laughs> co- give me cozy mystery. Okay. Right. Big, big fan of cozy mystery. Don't even it's know like, what it is. It's yet. like a, it's like a whodunit with a big cup of tea Oh, and a croissant. Love it. Love yeah. it. Big fan. Okay. Um, do you ever start a book and not finish it? All the time. Okay. So I feel like people typically fall into two camps where people are like, I'm cool abandoning a book halfway. um, Or I like, if I start a book, I have, I commit. Yeah. So I usually have four to six books going at any given time. So I'm always reading a bunch of different books. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes all you need are those first couple of chapters. And you kind of like get the spirit of the book and that's okay. Like Mm. you can still have loved what you read and be inspired to read something else. And I, I used to really kind of guilt trip myself for not finishing a book or feeling like obligated, like I had to, but honestly, there are so many incredible books in the world and so much to read that if something isn't capturing your interest and making you want to keep going, 
pick up something that is inspiring you. And maybe someday you'll come back to the one you set down. And if you don't, that's great. That's okay. That that encourages me because I typically fall into the camp of like, if I start the book, I have to finish it. And like, yeah, and yeah. I've definitely had books where I have dreaded every minute that I've been reading it. And I'm like, why am I reading this down. book? But I, I get into that point where I'm just like, Ugh. so I'm struggling with that right now because I'm in a in the middle of a book. Like I'm probably 60% of the way through a book that I'm just like, I don't, I'm not loving it. It's I um, say, love it and leave it, love it and okay. leave it. You can bless it and put it on the shelf. And you. you know, you, it's like you had coffee, but you didn't need to do the full dinner date. Okay. You know what I mean? You just had a nice little get to know you coffee. All right. And You've you danced with it. Yeah. I, I think that when we force ourselves to always finish the book, we actually read less because then you end up feeling, it feels like homework or an obligation. Mm, okay. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> because Permission granted. Like I said, I mean, literally this morning I was doing my, just cause I try to read a little bit every morning and you know, I wake up, I do my Bible study and all that kind of stuff. And then I just try to take like 10, 15 minutes just to read a little bit. And then I typically read more in the afternoon or the evening um, once I've kind of done with work for the day. Um, and I just was reading this morning. And I was just like, I just, I just I'm not into this. Like, nope, I don't know. Nope. I really want to be because I it's by an author who I really loved one of her other books. And I was like, oh, this sounds really good. And this is going to be in the same vein. Nope. It's just, I, I don't know what's yeah. happening. Uh, the characters are confusing. It's just, I have, a lot, I have yeah. so many questions. Okay. Thank yep. you for giving me permission <laughs> for that. I really appreciate it. Do yeah. you ever reread books? I do. I do. Usually it'll be a number of years, but like one that I love rereading is like The Great Gatsby. It's just mm-hmm. so fun for me. I love rereading that one. I also usually listen to Harry Potter on Audible every fall because it just feels like autumn to me. And, you know, so it's usually ones where it almost feels like seeing an old friend. Mm -hmm. I like to, Mm -hmm. especially fiction. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. (laughs) Do you judge a book by its cover? A thousand percent. Thank you. thousand percent. I also pick wine by the bottle, like by the label. You know what I mean? It's just, I feel like the cover is such a big part of it and it conveys so much emotion. And when my book was, when we were getting ready to publish it, the original covers that the publisher wanted to go with were so horrible, beyond horrible. I cannot even tell you. And I, I, cried at one point. I was like, this is, does not represent my book. And and thankfully we got to a cover that I, that I love. It's my handwriting on it. And I think it, it came out beautiful, but I was like, it, it matters so much to me yeah. because I'm going around judging every book. Yeah, <laughs> completely agree. Um, one of my best friends is an author. Um, she's publishing her third book next year. And we, I won't say uh, who it is just because I don't want anybody listening to like know the the pain that she went through. Yeah. But she was definitely like fighting with her publisher for like a month over the, the cover because the they kept sending her designs yeah. and she was like, this is hideous. Like what yeah. are you sending me? Yeah. And she like yeah. mocked up something on Canva and was like something. Yeah. She's like, I'm not a graphic designer, but like something like this. She sent it to <laughs> I did the same. And, I did the same. And they would yeah. like send her stuff back. That was like, did you even look at what I said? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Totally. Oh, okay. Uh, do you think that I realize that this is a very contentious issue and I have my opinion on it and p- other people have their opinion on it. Do you think audiobooks count as reading? A thousand percent. Yes. Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you. There's so many people I'm, that I'm say that it doesn't using count. Audio books. No, it totally counts. It totally counts. Totally. I counts. think it's you know, some people don't retain information or learn well audibly, and so then I'm like, that's great. It's not for you. I love learning via via audio. And I also love multitasking. So Mm -hmm. anytime that I'm cleaning the house or on a road trip or in transit, like I love to have an audiobook going. I I just, I feel like I'm able to read so much more because of that. Yes. Okay. Completely agree. I love to obviously read physical books. I also love audiobooks. And sometimes I will read or listen to a book based on who the narrator is. Like I have a couple favorite narrators mm. and I'm like, oh, they just narrated that book. Like I just, like there's um, like Julia Whelan is one of my favorite narrators. She's amazing. And she just, I, I always like, especially if it's a fiction book where the person like does different voices for the different characters and just, and then I've also abandoned audiobooks who have a really bad narrator. So I think. Yeah, like, yeah. And I will sometimes love to like listen to a book while I read it. I know. That's fun. That's fun. I'm just saying it's really fun. Okay. Double time. Favorite book of all time. Favorite book. Maybe the man, man's search for meaning. Mm. That's Victor Frankl is, is a phenomenal book. And then obviously the great Gatsby, the one I, I, I love rereading just because it's, it just makes me so happy. Okay. Oh, and, and, and I'm going to add one more. Oh, please. Um, Elena Ferrante's novels, the Neapolitan novels, her book, mm. My Brilliant Friend. She's an Italian writer and unreal. Okay. Absolutely unreal. All right. I'm going to check her out too. All right. Book that made you cry the hardest. Oh, book that made me cry the hardest. I've got to think about this one. The The thing that immediately comes to mind, it, it, it didn't, this isn't a fiction book that made me cry because of the story, but I recently read What Happened to You, which is the book that Oprah wrote with Mm. with Dr. Perry Mm. about trauma and trauma recovery and resilience. And oh my word, that book goes so deep and Mm. taps so many deep emotions. And I think for anyone who's ever dealt with trauma, overcome difficult things in their life, I I cannot recommend that one more. That one really took me to an emotional place. Mm. Mm. Man. All right. Well, book that made you laugh the hardest. Ooh, book that made me laugh the hardest. Um, I read um, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Yeah, so funny. And I just found myself laughing out loud the whole time. I love it. I love really funny books. Um, have you read Emily Henry's books? She has two out, I think. Uh, first one was Beach, oh. Beach Read. And the second one oh, is yeah. People You Meet on Vacation. So she's a romance novelist. But I love her dialogue, like her character dialogue and the conversations, her character, she's like, she's so witty and like, they're just really funny conversations, but not in like a forced way. And every time I read her books, I laugh out loud. I mean, I have other books that obviously make me laugh, but just like thinking about just the genuineness I love that. of stuff like that. Yeah. Big fan. Okay. Uh, favorite love. book to movie adaptation. Ooh, these are great questions. Books to movie adaptation. Little Fires Everywhere was mm. a really, really great adaptation. Okay. And it was that's a phenomenal book. That's a phenomenal book. And I, I think they did a really they went off script a bit in the adaptation, but they did a really good job with it. Okay. I love it. All right. And then this is my last question, and this is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, Allie, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? 
For me, it means to always stay laser set on what's the mission and what's the impact that we're hoping to make in people's lives. And it doesn't just matter what you do, but it also matters how you do it. And so keeping the values in in the change you're trying to affect in the world, but also how you embody and live out those values in, in how the company operates. Mm, I love that. Ali, this has been so much fun. Um, I just, you, so I good. Tell, you thank are, you so much. You are my people. Uh, I just <laughs> I love, totally. what, love what you're doing. And I'm so excited to see this. I can't wait to be a verified author on copper. Um, We're going to get you on there. And we should have, we should just like talk over books um, more often. Cause I, I love it. Uh, thank you for being here. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to uh, connect readers and authors and get more stories out into the world. Thank you. So good being here. See you on copper. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend, It is totally free for you. And it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.